Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Let's go! Binge Town, how are we feeling tonight? Hosting for his very first time tonight is me, Dave, and I have with me Kyle, Luke, and Paul. And if you couldn't guess by the title of the podcast, we are here today to cover Alice in Borderland episodes one and two. And I got to admit, I told the Bingetown group chat before this that this might be the most excited I am to cover a show since The Magicians, honestly. Luke, for a couple weeks, for a while, actually, was recommending me this show. And I was putting it off for a little. And once I finally watched episode one, it took me two days to finish it. It could have easily have been one if I didn't start the series at like 5 p.m. So... Kudos to Luke for finding the show. If it wasn't for him, I don't think we'd be doing this. This show is probably my favorite show I've watched, like new show that I've watched over the last like six months-ish. Um, when I found this show, I recognized it because it's also based on the source material of an anime, a manga. Sorry, not an anime, a manga. And it's just one of those popular, just random names I've heard before. But when I saw it come onto Netflix, I saw it was subtitled, and it's obviously going to be the original is going to be in Japanese. I was sure not too many people watched it. But when I started doing a little bit more research and found out that it basically got greenlit for a second season two weeks after the initial drop, I thought like I had to give it a shot. And I fell in love with it. I think it's amazing and thought it would be perfect for a Rooks and Vets show. And that's what, that's what this is going to be. We're going to be doing Rooks and Vets. But this is going to be a little bit different than our normal Rooks and Vets where it's dominated by the Rook perspective because Dave, myself, and Paul are going to be Vets here. And Kyle's going to be the only representation for Rook. So we're going to be relying on him for all the fresh takes because we will be keeping it the the no-spoiler nature of Rooks and Vets. So we're only going to be talking about whatever the episodes are up until the point of the episodes we're covering. But I am just so incredibly excited for Kyle to experience this and for me to experience him experience. It's fucking awesome. Yeah, this is a, it's a lot of pressure to be the only rook, but uh, I'm more than willing to shoulder that burden. I actually didn't realize that it was going to be like a season two type show. So I'm actually really excited that there's going to be like more than just one, a one-off season. For some reason, I thought the same thing too. When I was watching it, as I was getting towards yeah. the end, I was like, this is not feeling like a one season show. I don't know why I had that presum- like uh, assumption in my head that it was going to be one season, but. I'm very excited for the upcoming seasons. Just to add on a little bit more context about how long the show is going to run. After I finished the first season, of course, I did my normal just Googling the shit out of it, looking at all the Reddit posts, just more conversations about it. And what I found out is that the first season of the show covers roughly 50% of the manga. So at minimum, we're going to get two seasons. And I could totally see them go in the route where they're going to try and 
split it out over two more seasons, the final half of it. That's personally what I want because this would be a perfect three-season show, in my opinion. I hope we're going that route. Just throwing out my watching experience, Kyle, I am so sorry that you are a rook on this because you can't binge it all the way through. Like Dave said, I would have binged it in one day if I didn't start watching it at 7 p.m. And even then, I was like, all right, I can get three. I can get another episode in. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just it was too good. Loved every second of it and cannot wait for season two. Yeah. And last thing I'll say of context wise before we start jumping into the actual episode is you might not know this based on the content we cover at Bingetown, but we are just super anime nerds, super manga fans, and we love all sorts of stories across the board when it comes to Japanese kind of just stories in general. And this is kind of right up our alley of things we talk about off podcast. So we're very excited to let our nerd show in a different way from fantasy and sci-fi and focus a little bit more on the anime side. It's uh, it's funny too that you mentioned that the the Japanese audio might have turned a lot of people who you know are just watching Netflix off, but literally feel at home. It felt great to just yeah. hearing people speak Japanese and reading subtitles. It's just the best. The if, names aren't that bad either. If I closed my eyes, I, I said this, Luke. I would think I'm watching an anime. The mm-hmm. the voice acting in it, the acting in general is just amazing. Though. It's already the best live action representation of an anime ever. Completely <laughs> agree. Completely yeah. agree. I haven't like, even read the source. Material. It doesn't even come close. When I say the acting's amazing, I mean like anime translated because yes. there's ridiculous scenes in there. By design though. Yes. Yeah. It's hard to it's get that hype. it's hard to get that goofiness from an anime in a real live action. And I think they do it very well. But I mean, now that we have our opening thoughts, what do you guys say? Want to get right into this? Let's or? do it. All right. So we'll start things off. Uh, we're introduced to three of our main characters right away. We have Arisu, who I guess, you know, is a literal representation of Alice. Mm-hmm. If you couldn't tell by the title of the show, it's going to be, there's going to be references a little back and forth and we'll have Luke help us out with those, um, the parallels. Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. Connections. Yeah. So we have Arisu, who we learn is a gamer. Um, we quickly find out that his mom passed away and it seems like he doesn't handle that very well. He's considered to be a quote unquote parasite at home. He refuses to get any sort of job um, that his dad lines up for him. His brother is Mr. Perfect, you know, already has a job, just rubbing it in his brother's face that he's so much better than him, blah, blah, blah. Cue him leaving his household, essentially. Next, we have Kadube, who is uh, the hottie bad boy that I think all of us pretty much are definitely big Kadube stands. He's the fighter. Yeah, he is the fighter of the group. Uh, We see him early on hooking up with his boss's girlfriend. (laughs) which proceeds to get him fired from his job. And he is now also wandering the streets. Uh, next, we have Chota, who's kind of got really nothing going for him. <laughs> Honestly, I mean... He's, no, he's got a job, at least. Yeah, I was going to say, he is like the most average person in this group. He's just like... He, we see him have some sort of business job. He's suit and tie guy. Um, we see him paying his mom for something. Um, but we just all know that none of them really have that much money collectively. And the, the the paying of the mom thing was related to her religious background. Yeah, that's what I assume. And she was saying like, "We got to save everybody. We got to purify the world. Whatever it is, I think it's just paying money towards essentially a church religious group." Yeah. So they're each all extremely annoyed at the lives that they're currently living. Um, so they're texting back and forth. They decide to meet up at Shibuya Station to get some drinks. Um, where they, after meeting up, they kind of start discussing the hardships of their lives. You know, Arisu. Com- just right away says, I wish I could go to some unknown place, which is 
you'll get what you want pretty soon, but <laughs> you shouldn't uh, shouldn't be wishing for that this soon. This this is like a part where you can really start if you have any exposure to anime, you could start to pick up on the cues how they're really leaning into that idea. Like we have the scene where Karube has Arisu on his, on his shoulders and he's screaming like exaggerated. Like that's that shit doesn't happen, but that's anime, and I think they do a good job of leaning into that. They're very emotional here. Like they're just yeah. all buddy buddy. It's everything's, you know, butterflies and rainbows. It's all good. I think it's funny too that they kind of fit into kind of more like, you know, I guess Japanese anime archetypes or archetypes or whatever of characters. Uh like Kairobe is that classic like delinquent role. Honestly, I, I in my notes, I mean to me he's Ichigo. I just call him Ichigo. <laughs> But he's, you know, like Yusuke Orameshi, Korobara, there's like that classic, just always getting in street fights. You know, they get the girls a little bit. Um, what so is the I, name? The guy that I always think of when I see Karube is um, Sanji. I guess, no, I For guess me. kind of off of, a little bit a off of looks, but who is Kenshin's boy? Kenshin's right hand man. The, the one that does the double punch, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know you're talking he kinda, about. He's got spiky short hair, kind of like him. He's tall. I don't know. I just get those kind of vibes while. from him. It's been a while since I've tackled Kenshin, yeah. I'll admit. <laughs> All right. Anyway, keep going. All right. And another interesting comment that we have here is that uh, Karabe looks at Adisu. They're kind of talking about if zombies were to show up, you know, how the world would just end. But Karabe makes a comment to Adisu saying he would be the one to survive and encourages him to stop hanging around with us and go live life. To which Arisu gives him that traditional Japanese, huh? <laughs> and then just to no response. Yeah, just like Karube just looks up in the distance. That kind of statement is just main character vibes. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, you already know that this Arisu is going to be a big part from just from what they're saying right here. And I already liked what we got from Arisu. I mean, him walking out of his house, we saw him playing a video game until his brother rudely interrupted him when he was in the zone. <laughs> and then when he was walking to meet with them at the station, he was playing, you know, that 3D almost looks like a Rubik's Cube type of game. Um, and I thought that was cool because when they showed him in his room playing the game, they showed a few books and the books had something in common. And they were all, you know, fractal geometry and sacred geometry and Audi and Audi and BMW 3D geometry. Hmm. So it makes a lot of sense, you know, going forward you know, towards the end of this episode and beyond. He just seems to have really good like spatial recognition. And that also got further established when he was doing the Rubik's Cube with one hand on yeah. the app. I was like, bro, while he's walking, <laughs> yeah, through a crowded city yeah. and it's not an issue. Katabe has such bad timing. <laughs> <laughs> I also I like to how they had the conversation just like rolling on the screen. I mean, obviously we can't read the kanji, but it's just, I don't know. I just liked how like, they were both, you know, all of them or three of them rather just kind of walking through and we're just getting their conversation through texting, scrolling. It just looked cool on the screen. Yeah. I just stepped in vomit. Congrats on stepping in vomit. <laughs> yeah. So weird. I'm sure that's just an issue of like translating Japanese to English, but it's I, just I super it, crazy. I took it more as just like uh, Odyssey's. That's just like the kind of luck that he has, I guess. Just, sure. Of course, he would be the one to step in vomit on the streets. And but. At one point, they meet up and they're texting. I see you. I'm coming to you. I see you too. Karube is like, just talk. Like we're yeah, all here. We're... <laughs> um, so this is where things start to hit the fan. The boys are in their wonderland. I guess I shouldn't really say that technically, but you know, everything's good for them. They're kind of joshing around, whatever. They accidentally cause a car accident and are being pursued by the police. 
Um, they decide to hide in the bathroom. So this is a nice little comedy scene we get here of them joking about a fart and, you know, blowing it in each other's faces. I thought that was good. Very relatable. <laughs> As they're running from the cops. As they're running from the cops, the, you know, banging on the walls, they're staying quiet. And then all of a sudden, boom, power goes out. What the fuck is going on? Everything just went super quiet. You know, Adisu's volunteers to go out of the bathroom stall. He takes a look around and every single person that we had just seen is gone. Mm-hmm. And are we in Tokyo? We are in. I, I, I've been writing Tokyo, honestly. So. Okay, so we're in Tokyo. There, this is just, you know, it's New York City, basically. Like, there's just a million people around. Everyone's gone. Mm-hmm. That is just straight out of a dystopian story right there. And I think it's perfect. And Arisu was all hype. Yeah. It was like, this is cool. I like this. Yeah. After a little bit of running around, they literally explore all over the city. Um, the only ones that seem excited by this is Adisu and Chota. They're kind of looking back and forth and like, this is kind of cool. You know, no one's around. Whereas Kadube, we saw earlier, has kind of a girlfriend that he really enjoys. Um, so he actually has something going for him in the previous lives. But Adisu and Chota, meanwhile, are like, this is awesome. And one thing to note here is when they're looking around, you see hints that the fact that there were people just there, right? Like you see the lit cigarette that was kind of there. You see all the debris that's just now floating in the street that was probably on people's, you know, in their bags and stuff. But anyway, then when they meet back up, I think it's so funny because after they all can't find anything, it's the classic, Oi! Oi! <laughs> so, <laughs> so good. <laughs> I just oh, loved sweet. the Japanese language so much. I did think it was interesting that like some of the cars were just stopped perfectly and then some streets there weren't many cars on them and then some streets the cars were all like you know janked sideways some of the cars had like were stopped in the middle of an intersection with the door open um, obviously we'll we'll probably learn more and more about that but i just i also could be looking too much into it but i just thought it was interesting that the i just figured there would be more cars and it would be more chaotic mm-hmm. the I, leftovers i definitely agree i thought there was it watching it it's like okay if everybody disappeared but there's some cars here. Why are there some cars and not all of the cars that are on the street at the moment? And also, you know, the produce in the passenger seat, you know, you, you see it's decaying, but it's not. A whole Shit's inconsistent. We have no idea, basically. Yeah. And I think that's on purpose. So confusing. I mean, the fruit decaying, I'll be honest, was an episode two. But like, that's a good point that you mentioned that uh, now, I'm just sorry. because like there's the cigarette, like Kadobe was smoking that cigarette at the moment, like a little bit before the moment happens. And it's still in there where in the, I don't know, timing's all weird, but as they're trying to piece together what is going on, like we are currently right now, we see a street line street sign light up and it says, welcome players. The game will commence in a moment. Mm. Nervous. I mean, it seems fun. You know, at this time, there's no harm. You know, if everyone's disappeared and all the only information you have is a game. Sure. I'll play a fucking game. Why not? You know, in the distance, they see another light go off and they head into its direction and it ends up being a GM building short. I guess that's short for game building. And there are arrows that lead them to where they have to go. Essentially, um, they eventually reach a door uh, with a bunch of phones lined up with a sign that says take one per person. And what you found out from the scene before is that basically no technology is working, oh, meaning true, all true. their cell phones aren't working, but they come up to the beginning of this game start and they see all these working cell phones. So another weird part of this dystopian world. Yeah. And that was for me, that was like the first hint where I was thinking that they were like transported somewhere else. Doesn't make sense to me that like, it doesn't seem like just people left. It seems like the, they went somewhere else where cell phones wouldn't be working because if people just disappeared 
I don't see why cell phone towers wouldn't still work. And you see it too when they grab the player phones in the corner. It says no service, but there is a battery life to them. So it's weird that these phones would work and that the ones that they have don't. So yeah, bunch of questions coming up at this point in time. We do see them as they are walking past a certain point to get to this uh, to the phones. There's like a laser that's like basically checking them in. Essentially, is what it sounds like. Um, it's like a, going into the like a ride of a roller coaster. They they're just attacking the people there. So next, we finally get our first human interaction from the moment this happens uh we get introduced to a girl named shibuki who already kind of seems like she she's been in this uh some situation. sort of experience yeah, yeah. and then also yeah, I had, sorry go ahead i i had labeled her in my notes initially before we knew her name as random sexy confident lady <laughs> mm. <There laughs> i like go. that and then in the exact opposite way we have noob girl show up who is just freaking out basically even more than our main squad who just got here so and we yeah. do Shibuki does show us that they are now trapped. Uh, she grabs Chotsa's ID out of his pocket, throws it past the lasers that checked him in, and boom. There's a laser that shows up, shoots the ID right in the face of where Chotsa's head would be, and just not a good sign of where they're at mm-hmm. right now. <laughs> yeah. Freaking Arisu tries to go back up and like yeah. he's like looking at it. Like Dude, you want to test close, you want to test how close you can get? That's weird. <laughs> He but, does that multiple times over these two episodes. Oh my god! Yeah, like looking at the guy. Oh my god! And he he does look up and see that the laser does come in and destroy the ceiling, make a hole in the ceiling. So that's shot through multiple layers of just concrete, yeah. steel, all that stuff. Um. So, and like Luke said, we get introduced to some throwaway character at this point in time when the phones are they light up and they say that the game has begun. They, what are they? What they are playing is called Dead or Alive, and it is represented by the three of clubs. So I guess we'll just get right into this. They immediately have to enter a room and are given a countdown from two minutes. There are two doors. One is labeled live. The other is labeled die. Essentially, you just have to pick a door. And if you go through the wrong door, you'll we'll find out very shortly what happens. So let me take a quick pause, though, because what what were you thinking about, Kyle, when like you see the three of clubs. Did that mean like, just tell me what, what what went through your head when you saw that? Um, so the number seemed very obvious to be like a level of difficulty. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's interesting that we're doing the two episodes at once. Um, but I mean, my initial thought was that the suit would be the type of game. Okay, perfect. Um, I mean, now that we have that information, we honestly yeah. might as well just talk about it now. Just because I, I do like laying that out because we, we're here. So we found out that club is wit. A club is team battle. No, nah, yeah. Club is a team battle. A diamond is a battle of wits. Spades are physical games. And then hearts are troublesome games of betrayal. Okay. Okay. Cool. Right. Yeah. So we're looking at a three of clubs. This is a team game here. Okay. Take us back to the room. We see these two doors. Freaking Chota, man. He pulls out his camera. Oh, this is so fun. Like, oh, don't worry, scared girl. Like, we'll get you out of here and we'll win that prize. I assume there's a prize. Chota literally says things are like with a smile on his face. Things are getting interesting. And it's like, you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> right here is like in this moment. Yeah, Paul, when he whips out the phone and everything, I wrote down that this man is about to be a problem. While Arisu <laughs> and, and Ichigo are definitely going to be the goats. Yeah, talk about ankle weight, man. He's just going to. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you just saw the power of these fucking lasers. Like, come on. You got to have a little sense of 
urgency here so because we do find out it's like two minutes right is yeah it's only, all they, the first room is they have two minutes and after about a minute of them arguing over what they should do and which door they should take we start to see smoke manifest in the room uh there's a fire being lit right beneath them so basically you can gather at this point in time if you don't figure out what door you're going through in two minutes you're gonna fucking burn so mm-hmm. hurry this shit up so the random schoolgirl, like I said, fucking throwaway character, just runs right through the live door, thinking she's good to go. <laughs> laser. Laser right <laughs> to the dome. And the gore that it shows of just like her eyes just going foggy and red just immediately is just so incredibly well done to me. I, I was just going to say, I love it. It's probably CGI, right? Whatever it would be, yeah. that little bit of CGI. Yeah. I think it's done so well. And it is such a pivotal part of this world for the entire you know probably series just this laser mechanic is just always looming and it's just always got to be in the back of your mind going forward after seeing that one time right in front of your face like the accuracy just how quick it is you can't make any wrong decisions you got to play by the rules so that's kind of just such a good way to put these characters into the mindset you need to be if you're going to survive in the wonderland and that's what and that's why i always whenever i tell people about the show i always say it's like a reference between like saw and an anime called sword art online kind of that you you know i would exp- that's how i would explain it to people but like it just puts you in these scenarios that you have to participate like mm-hmm. it's either it's life or death there's no if ands or buts about it you're going in there and you're going to choose to survive over you know the laser is absolute you have no choice here yeah yeah so we learn that you got to go through the die door coincidentally. So they enter the next room and it's sense and it's essentially the same setup, but now they have a minute and 50 seconds instead of two minutes. And this time it is simply pure luck that they get through this next doors, uh, this next room's door. Yeah. Like they're literally arguing, like how the fuck are we supposed to determine which door we're supposed to go through? If it, if she just died going through mm-hmm. the live door, it can't be the live door twice in a row, right? You know. And Chota at this point just crumbled. Yeah, he's he vomited. <laughs> he's, he vomited. Yeah, he was literally puke. Oh, this is so fun to puking in, <laughs> in a matter of like ten feet. Um, but th- this girl, she uh, Shibuki, 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 Shibuki. Shibuki. Yeah. Um, she's like saying like, you open it. Like, no, I'm not gonna open it. Like, I I think it would be the better for humanity if i stayed alive yeah. <laughs> and immediately you're like fuck you what are your current thoughts even with take into consideration what happens in episode two she doesn't have a lot Kyle, but what are your current thoughts about her oh my god you can't trust her at all that's how exactly how i felt felt even like watching these first two episodes again i'm just like you can't trust this yeah i was bitch. so indifferent about her i had no idea what to think like i would say that backstory all crazy here it's it's like in this game it's tough because you know, we only really have a connection to the squad of the three guys. So obviously yeah. they kind of push us to be anti her a little bit because her and, uh, and Ichigo getting some scraps, mm-hmm. but she also kind of has a little bit of a Nami vibe to her where she's like, you know, yeah, it's okay. better for the human race. If I survive, you know, really playing up that whole, like I'm the delicate woman card. <laughs> she does it really well though. And like I said, uh, basically the game at the simplest term is, each round you're going to sacrifice someone is essentially how this game is going to go um, at this rate in time. Go ahead, and, go. And I will say though, that my feelings, my, any type of like distrust I have for her is really came out in episode two In this episode. I'm like, you said, like largely indifferent. Um, you know, she seems combative at the start where it's like, whatever. But then after, you know, at the end of the episode, it's kind of like, she's much better. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, man. these kinds of situations, sorry to cut you off, Paul, but these kinds of situations will absolutely mentally fuck with anybody. So in, we already kind of 
saw that she had already been a part of these kind of games like she has that experience so she knows what she's getting into she doesn't want to be attached to anybody in this fucking room she knows that all of them are going to die essentially so she's just trying to get out of here whatever way she can they have a minute and 50 seconds to decide which door and they just watch them die like it would take me like two hours to comprehend that (laughs) like let alone now it's like critical thinking crunch time sorry as much as we were shitting on chota that is literally how i would react in that situation (laughs) yeah i mean he was puking but i probably would puke the next room is the one that's complete luck right yeah so like they're they're going no so they're going yeah they're going back and forth it's like you open the door no, you killed that girl. You open the door. Eventually, Cardi Bay's, fuck it. I'm just opening a door. Before that, Arisu goes up to one, and he's like, I'm going to do it. Don't worry. Oh, like, and he doesn't. I can't be lived twice. I'm going to go through the death door. And then he freezes before he turns mm-hmm. a knob. Eventually, Cardi Bay just picks one, opens it up. Yeah. Thank God it's not a death door. So they're good to go. But now the mental pressure of the game is really starting to get to the players. Uh, they start arguing. Even Karabe is arguing with uh, Arisu, and he pleads him to feel like that he has no way to get out of the situation. It's it gets more and more heated up until the point where Karabe just clocks Arisu in the face, and at that moment in time, he has a point in clarity, and he's like, "I got this." I this is this out. the first real main character moment he has when he kind of mm-hmm. Sherlock's this whole situation, which was kind of fucking crazy he just like he he just thinks back to them walking in because he's thinking about all the clues and his whole thing is he's a gamer right like he knows that every single game has strategies every single game has like a game master whatever it is like he's just treating it as an actual video game and when he starts doing that fully he it clicks like there's a clue was him walking into the into the building they he used the bmw out front which paul pointed out there was a book in his apartment on it and he used the the BMW as reference, and he figured out the solution essentially by quickly drawing the map and figure. And the room was perfectly; they were all squares. It was just kind of worked out perfectly. Yeah, and kind of ju- piggybacking a little bit off that whole main character comment, it's just really cool that like puzzle games are what he's good at. That's just such an interesting mm-hmm. character trait for the person that we're kind of going to follow throughout this thing to have. It's just really interesting to see him kind of work through that puzzle in that moment and figure it out. I, my, the note I wrote down after that, I was like, okay, like he's obviously just going to be an absolute legend by the end of the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just to go back to all of his books in the beginning, it's, it's like his spatial recognition and it's, he creates a map in his head. It's almost like photo photographic memory wherever he goes. And he is just, for some reason, that little trait just makes him unbelievably cool. Mm-hmm. And I love while Kadube and Adisu are arguing that Kadube literally called he he is the first one to call these games like he was like this is a puzzle game this is literally your forte like you may not be able to see it because people are dying but this is literally a puzzle game you're the only one who's going to figure this out yeah and that that motivation like Luke did, uh, told us about was able to help him determine that which door is going to be the correct doors until the last room, the final room. Yeah. So I'm just going to, what I have here is they bust through a few more doors until they, what, what until they reach what they believe to be the end. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's not the end though. Adiusu is puzzled because he has to choose between two final doors. One door being that leads hypothetically just right outside the building to the left of him or to the room that the first girl died in. He's like completely thrown back. He's like, there's no space between where the, this exit door and the building between us. You know, I don't know if I'm doing a good job explaining this, bit, but we don't even need to get to really yeah. regardless. He's, he determines that where the girl actually ended up dying is the right call because there wasn't an actual door in that room. So there was a mini room 
where she died. Right. And they that used, was the, showed us video that he was took in the first room to figure it out. Yes. Yeah. Which was, you know, time crunch that uh, they he remembered with like 30 seconds left or something. Yeah. And then, of course, at that moment in time, Chota is being such a pussy that he is literally stuck in this room and it's three, two, one. Flares start shooting and Chota's leg gets fucking caught in the crossfire. Dude. And of course, of course, there's one more fucking room and they only have 10 seconds of this time. It's like, what the fuck are you doing, Chota? Get your head out of your I ass. I was so frustrated being like, <laughs> why would you not be right next to a door? The second you walk into the next room, stand next to one of the doors, at least just to save a couple seconds. And this last, this last, last room challenge was a trap, was a trap because Shibuki is literally about to just walk out of the, it, there's, it literally says live and there's an exit sign right over it. She's about to walk through it. And Adi Susan like, no, that's trap. That's bait go through the die door mm -hmm. determined to go out the die door big round of applause for our main characters because they survived game number one they managed to survive but whew, what a first episode and the reward is a playing card yeah a, a literal <laughs> three a club yeah and um, we also find out here just like in the alley after they escape the building they get their three of clubs and this is when they see another contestant just on the other side of the alley and he Okay, so when, when they get the three of clubs, you also find out on their cell phones, they get a three-day visa reward. What's a visa, you asked? Well, this man, coincidentally, <laughs> will tell you all about him. He <laughs> literally is battered and beaten. He's talking to himself. He's saying that his visa ends today and that he's dropping out of the game. He's making like a turd. Yeah, he's literally making like a turd. Immediately <laughs> after he says that, he is shot in the head with a laser and is dead. So we just know that visa is basically short for a vacation between which you have time to rest and get ready for the next game. Mm -hmm. So what do you think, guys? Would you want to live in this fucking world or yeah, what? Man. Like, <laughs> how the hell is that a three? That game is a three. That's insane. Oh, wait, we actually do have one final scene. So at the very end, we get this cool shot of the dystopian Tokyo with lasers popping up all over the city. So we know that there's plenty of people in this world, but they're all just getting shot yeah. with lasers. So basically at the same time, every night, the system goes through and cleans up all the people whose visas expired. It is what you just got to assume because all these people are dying at the same time because right. they didn't pass a game. And then we see Mikasa. That's who she reminded me of uh, <laughs> overlooking the city with a look of determination and anger on her face. And that is the end of episode one. I saw Kyle's hand up. So we'll just go right to him. I just, I think it, it's interesting that, you know, Shibuki is kind of like our first hint that not everyone was transferred here at the same. Well, I say transferred because that's my theory, but not everyone is kind of on the same level here. They weren't all, they're not all new to the area. And then we really get that confirmation with this old man because he seems to be completely fed up and is like, I'm, I'm done doing this. So clearly it's not his first night like it is Arisu, Ichigo, and Chota's. Um, so I thought that was really interesting. But also I just, you know, Great first episode. I think that the beginning is a little slow on purpose, though, and then they really ratchet up the tension. I mean, it's hard not to be on the edge of your seat trying to figure out the puzzles with them as they're kind of going through all of these rooms. And then they leave us with another mysterious, sexy lady. So mm -hmm. I think they, they, they really know how to reel us in. Yeah, just to further what you were saying on this fed up dude walk, walking up to them saying, like, I'm done. He even says to them, you know, no matter how many games you play and pass, you're never going to clear the game. So at, he's got to been around for a while. 
And the, and the question that I just thought of right now, I don't think is ever answered either, is how many days you have to play your first game? Like, what do you start? I was thinking that. With? I was like, is there a glitch where if you never join a game, you can just live? Because once they <laughs> scan your, it was like once they scanned your face, there was a on the phone, like it popped up and it said like Visa Zero. Yeah. So I was like, hmm, would you either get lasered or would you just live? Nah, there's definitely like, that would just suck to be someone who just coincidentally never played a game. Well, just I guess didn't a good follow thing. the lights. Yeah, you just didn't follow the lights, and then you just got lasered randomly out of nowhere. I guess you wouldn't really know, but such. I did. Yeah, I just I really like the shot at the end, like Dave had described, of just kind of um, our mysterious lady overlooking the city, and we don't see where the lasers are coming from, but they're obviously just coming from up in the sky, which is just kind of really intriguing because it's like where the fuck are these things actually coming from you know because they're not shooting from the ground they're coming from above and it's like easy to just think aliens but i don't think it's gonna be aliens just kind of makes me lean more into my whole simulation theory at this point it's but i'm saying it's it's a little difficult to kind of talk about this episode knowing that i've also seen the second episode Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which will lead us into episode two paul was that your hand going up or no itchy eyebrow (laughs) i just wanted to make sure all right, but thankfully we uh, open up episode two with coincidentally the girl we left off with in the last episode. So we find out is it right here that her name's Usagi? I'm just going to say it right now that we get introduced to her. No, Usagi. we didn't. Fi- I don't think we. Kyle, did you? Oh, we did right there. Is is her dad? Yeah, it is Usagi. Yeah, oh, yeah, I didn't. I didn't catch it. I mean, obviously we're, but yeah. Right, whatever. So just, we get we get her name here. I mean, we get that flashback with her dad, and then she yells. Yeah, he okay, yells down. Okay. So, yeah, we find out her name is Usagi. It's a mem- memory of her mountain climbing with her father. Um, and we pull out of the memory and she's just saying she's going to survive. So and she's holding a playing card, which implies that she's mm-hmm. capable of winning games. Jeez. Now we're back with the boys and girl. Uh, Chota discovers anything with an IC chip does not work. So basically, as we deduced in the first episode, cell phones, cars, um, anything that is like basically later electronically run i guess uh just doesn't work whereas radios uh walkie talkies things like that will work um this is where we get some big picture theory so i do want to kind of take a little bit of time talking about what they all say because this is what we're doing as fans right Mm -hmm. we find out i think choda says it could possibly be an emp which would kind of make sense we find out that it could also potentially be uh advanced vr from the european gaming company that I forget who mentioned that one. That was, Shibuki that, does that to me. That felt a little heavy-handed. That felt a little bit like that's like, why I, I kind of got disappointed a little bit. in after episode one, thinking it was a simulation, because it kind of felt like they were feeding that to us a little bit too much on a platter. Mm-hmm. So it made then, me a little more wary of the simulation. But then right after that, Chota his leg starts acting up, and Kaurabe is like, "I don't think VR could uh, simulate that, that pain." Yeah. Yeah, but and also the vegetables. This is the vegetable scene. Yeah. That also made me kind of think. I mean, they obviously focus in on it. And it was just interesting. That was the first kind of where I was like, time is not working in the right way because if those vegetables were there when our main three got transferred, I keep saying transferred, but I'm going to keep rolling with it. Yeah, that's, then, that's basically what I'm going to be saying. Like they wouldn't have enough time to have been rotten. So whose vegetables were they really because they weren't vegetables from people that were experiencing time at the same time as the three when they were in tokyo beforehand so i don't know and we also saw car kind of be a cigarette like at the bar that he was at like so was that his i, I wanted i thought it was i took I it as his. i thought it was his too from earlier when he was smoking. i thought it was his baby girls 
Could have been. Okay. But regardless, like the time that, so she still put her cigarette down in like within a day, whereas those vegetables were, you know, sitting for weeks. And so it's, this is so weird. Yeah. They're discussing this over a hot meal, essentially their first hot meal since entering the game. After they did a little zombie style rating, which of course you would instantly do. Hell yeah. And Sayori, uh, Sayori Shibuki, Shibuki Sayori. Shibuki. Yeah. I I can't. I I was writing Sayori everywhere. Sayori. (laughs) I was saying. Okay. Okay. So, uh, Sayori even eventually asks, wait, so when did you guys get here? That was your first game. That was your first night. I've been here for three days now. So they're like, wait, time doesn't make sense. Like, I mean, when when they they refer to it as when did everybody disappear for you? Mm-hmm. Um, but like Kyle, like you're saying, or did, when was it that they got transported somewhere else? Katabe believes it to be time travel. Chota shoots that down real quickly. But to me, I mean, it's either got to be time travel or transporting people to... Actually, it was the other way around. Chota Uh, thought it was time travel, and Kyle was like, shut up. Like, that doesn't exist. But in my notes right here, I have insert Paul's hottest scene. If you want to walk us through it, I don't know. How is this hotter than what? I mean, okay, I guess it's literally her getting (laughs) fucking railed from the back. She fucks Chota later, too. Yeah, but like this is like you're way right, more right, like right, gritty right, right. sex right here. Right, like, right, right, right. That was set, if you want to cover it. This isn't my sex. Damn it! I was sure that it was going to be this one. Way right, too so. many, a little too many wrinkles okay, in the, in the okay. frame for for my sex. <laughs> Damn, bro! But yeah, this was scandalous. This was probably more scandalous than sexy because she's getting banged out by a married man. Yeah, that's and exactly. What's we happening. find out she's lying to the squad about what was going on when she got taken. Yeah, and she says chief, which makes you think that. And then later on, uh, she says her superior, so it makes you think that she's like a cop or like cop, a detective. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She kind of has that vibe to her a little bit, I guess. I mean, I don't know any cops, so I don't know. But <laughs> but she just kind of the way she carries herself. I was getting those vibes too, especially when she said chief and was using chief and superior as her terminology. Let me uh, walk us through this next one here because we do not waste a lot of time getting right into the action and moving into the second game of the series. Wait, I just there is one thing I want to say. Sure. Uh, the so they obviously no one can figure out anything. Um, the only thing that was determined though is uh, Adiusus certainly says that there is a game master right. there is someone running the show 100 percent. what we need to figure out what his signature is on the game dun 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 now you can this to- isn't important at all but the water bottles on top of the flashlights was genius oh to like expand the light yeah to light yeah. up the room better i thought that was really cool <laughs> i didn't even notice that you'll start seeing some cool survival tactics so yeah you'll pick up on those but anyway yeah so we're ready to move on to the next game where Arisu and Karube are talking and they decide that they pretty much have to go get more experience if they're going to survive as a group, even though Chota is hurt and can't walk. Well, they also say that they're more likely to meet more people like a doctor. So that also kind of feeds also into true. why they want to do that. I was just like was watching. Sorry, God. But uh, I was just like, why? Your visa. Like, you have three days. Like <laughs> even the first day I'm watching, I'm like, you just it's so risky, but I guess it makes sense. He he lays out so many good reasons though. He's like I was fine better with it. yeah, it's better for us to get used to the games uh, as much as we can. We need to protect a Chota, so we need to get better at these things. It's, it'll be easier for us to find a doctor because we meet people, we can get hints for what the hell's going on. Yeah, and then Ari Sue's like, okay, like, you know, the more games we play, the better we can understand the game master as well. And it's yeah. like, okay, the, this yeah, makes a lot of sense. Game master again and his signature. And I just think it's so awesome because it's always Arisu who's talking about it, and he's just 
that's just main character things, right? Like he's just thinking bigger picture and just finding the little cool, what he brings to the table and how to implement that. Yeah. And it, it does seem, you know, they're kind of setting us up as it's like Arisu versus the game master eventually, which I think will be uh, an incredible battle of the minds. That's why I'm getting like death note vibes from this. It's just like mental battles after the, like one after the other. And I just, love I'm getting it. everything vibes from this. It's really <laughs> yeah, funny. Honestly, it's <laughs> yeah. Over the place it's like, Oh, that character reminds me of this. Like, Oh, that, that, that's kind of like someone else's personality. Oh, she kind of looks like her. Yeah. I, without it. In one of the uh, reviews I was actually reading, they were basically saying it's a combination of like these eight different like movies and TV <laughs> shows. And it's like, you'd think it wouldn't work, but it 100% does. So, yeah. um, you want to keep going yeah with that so or? okay now we're gonna make the decision it's later that night and then the light goes off in the distance and then then arisu and karube go to enter the game meet some people but first we see usagi actually walk past the lasers and enter the game and this is to me the first time i saw this i remember thinking like wow okay there's like 10 people here compared to the last game where no one would have shown up basically if if our squad didn't go there uh so we see i think they literally say 10 people once our two boys roll up, and then the military dude and his side guy walks so it'll be up. Thirteen total. Thirteen 14. total. It's thirteen. It does say thirteen. I have thirteen. Yeah, I have... just thirteen. Yeah. yeah. Um, Come on, Paul. Wait, how does that? Okay. Were you watching with your glasses or not, bro? No. Okay. But um. Okay, never mind. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse, carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see, we could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. 13, there's 13 people. In yeah, so some things to know here, Kyle. We're going to refer to the one character as just white hair until we get his name. Okay, I was hoodie, but that's cool. Yeah, oh, I was white hood. I actually wrote white super white hair sounds so much better. Uh, and he, you see him charging something. Arisu notices that, which is cool. And then this noob, who's even newer than them, walks up to them, asks for advice. Karube's a dick, honestly, at this point, where he says, "Oh, it's better if we just don't help at all." Like they're not a day into this, and they can't use another ally. I understand, like. I think after seeing the first game, I don't know, man. I think personally what he was doing was right. I'm not trying to get attached to all these people just to watch them fucking die in my arms. Like, uh, I'm just going to sit there and not say a word. Like, you all, I'm just going to make these negative assumptions about everybody and just hope you all die. That's how That's I'm do fucking it. terrible. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he basically did a complete 180 because he was talking shit on Shibuki about doing that exact same thing. And then he basically, I think he even says it like maybe she had it right. You know, we, we should act like her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think he did it right. I mean, I don't know, man. It's hard to say. I I would never want to be in that situation. I don't know how I would react. And then this is when we get introduced to another character, Natobe. Natobe, yeah. yeah. He's the one who explains and the dude, suits and everything. I could have sworn this guy was going to be around forever. <laughs> I was yeah. like, this guy is fucking hilarious. He's got so much charisma. Oh, I've played five games. Smile. I've seen them all. Yeah, he's, he's lived, he lived them all. So he, he introduces himself as the game the Siri game thing announces that the difficulty is five of spades. And Usagi just immediately starts stretching. I thought that was yeah, so yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, Dude, she's awesome. Oh, we get that anime-like clash of when Arisu and her like walk past each other. You get that, like, if it was in an anime, it would have, like, frozen. and it would, been, Yeah, like, the, each yeah, panel would have shown, like, yeah, one of their exactly, eyes. Exactly. Yeah. That would have been that moment right there. I really... Because they emphasize it a little bit. You get a little, like, drum beat as they lock eyes. They're gonna bang. I mean... 
course. Well, this <laughs> is sexual when, tensions already there. So Natobe is the one who gives us that info drop. We already brought up the, what each suit means, and then he confirms that the the number is the difficulty. And then right away, as soon as he's done talking about that, the game pops up and says it's called a game of tag, and the rule is just run away from the tagger. And the clear condition is you need to find the safe room within the amount of time, which is 20 minutes, or a bomb's going to blow up the whole fucking apartment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just started laughing when it said that. It's just like, it's just like, yeah, we're playing a game of tag, but we're going to blow the fucking building up. And <laughs> now that I'm thinking about it, like what? It seems like such overkill because if the building doesn't blow up, don't the lasers just kill everybody Dude, anyway? I was just going to say, we have lasers, but we're going <laughs> to blow you up because we feel like it. I like it, though. I like it. Maybe the lasers take a good amount of energy to use and they're trying to conserve the usage of them. Who knows? They were not conserving them at the end of episode one. <laughs> now that I'm thinking about it, I think that the lasers are actually only used to kill you if your visa expires or if you break a rule. Okay. Unless you could just think of another laser. Yeah. Like okay. they wouldn't use it to just kill you in a game unless you were breaking a rule. I don't know. Cause it actually is in the first game. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, I mean, that's like the best way to kill yourself though in this world. Yeah. 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 Just enter a game and then just run out of it and just, <laughs> I would just out. love to be lasered if I had to go. Yeah. That'd be the quick, that'd be the best way to do it for sure. But I just want to say before we get into it, uh, at this moment, we kind of get flashbacks between the actual game and Chota, so I just figured... Let's we run just, through all the Chota stuff. Yeah, that's quick. literally what I have. So, <laughs> oh. And then I have Q Paul's second hottest scene. <laughs> yeah, Q Chota losing his V-card. Let's okay. go. Let's go, Chota. Paul, Paul's sexiest scene. Looking sweaty and gross and great. Oh, my God. Leg is burning on fire. <laughs> um, and... Uh, just to make it better he's thinking of his mother (laughs) while he's she's being a sexual offering to the head of this church oh my god what a what a fantastic way to lose (laughs) your virginity he literally starts praying and i started cracking up it's like this is exactly how you should not act when you lose your virginity (laughs) granted she's clearly using him this is the vibe i'm getting at least like She's using her femininity, you know, and that pussy power, for lack of a better term, to benefit herself. But like, come on. The whole whole conversation beforehand, she was basically saying, oh, so like, you suck, Chota. And you like, you're you're basically dragging your friends down. And Chota's like, no, they won't leave you behind. And then she was like, you want to know something? I was banging my superior. Mm -hmm. We're both pieces of shit. We should stay together. (laughs) Uh, then the blouse comes off and the torpedoes come out. <laughs> yes, yes, very nice. It would fucking work, honestly. Yeah, I mean, this is amazing. How old is Jota? I, I don't know if we ever get like you got to be like mid twenties, everyone, because they're not they're going for jobs. They're not in school mm, anymore. That's what I figured. Yeah, yeah. When when she said when she goes Chota Kun. I can trust you, right? And I was like, no, no, that is not what you want to hear from her right now. She was like, but your leg, it's going to drag you down. She was like wiping up and down his thigh. Yeah. Dude, I thought that came out of left field. I was so shocked. (laughs) Like, what was going on? I was like, where did this come from? That's why exactly. That's why I thought she was like going to betray them at some point. I thought she was just going to like make Chota her bitch and then just make him do some wild shit. It's like Numerius in Spartacus. He's like, what the fuck is happening right now? Why, why am I hard? Yeah, that was great. I mean, she, he, she has him praying and fucking hitting flashbacks on the bed. Like he was not ready for this. I was dying laughing. If you haven't picked up on this through two, two episodes yet, Kyle, for some reason, 
the directing crew decided it, it was just a good idea to make the characters have visible sweat on them a lot in random situations. I think that's an anime thing. But it's like, yeah, but you have to you have to do it in real life. It's not just like you, I mean, yeah. I'm just thinking like uh, even like in the thinking, first couple yeah, of, yeah. like the first step is the first scene when uh Arisu's gaming, he's got sweat on him when they're just walking in the when they're in the bar, like they got sweat on that. Like it's just weird. Yeah, I don't too, know. It's like spray yeah. bottles on the red. That's I was exactly actually, what it must be. <laughs> I was actually thinking about that too. Is like, is it actually like are they just gross just sit, sitting on sweat, like just on set, just all sweat? Yeah, that like, that Chota sex scene was probably smelled gross. <laughs> 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 the first time I noticed it was actually the beginning of this episode in the the flashback of her mountain climbing mm-hmm. with like her right arm and it was just so many sweat bubbles. <laughs> I was yeah, like, was okay, like, are you sick or are you sweating? Yeah, but it's fine on her. I think it. Oh well, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's not a sweat. I think it's an anime thing, right? Like when you watch anime characters and they're like in a moment of shock or something, you can literally see the sweat on their face. Yeah. Like that's Probably just how I take decision making for sure. Um, um, yeah, just to wrap up this, we got some side boob, we got some under boob. That is true. It's um, very hot. And yeah. then Chota, as he's praying, just keeps saying the phrase like save us from our save our tainted souls and stuff like saying this. like holy mother. Yeah. yeah. And at the end, he's basically like just holy please save mother. Us. Like, please, please make sure they're okay. The two of them are okay. Yeah. And it also is interesting that I mean his his mom, they're kind of they're kind of downplaying her, but like also give putting her in our face a little bit, you know, because she talks about in the first episode we gotta to cleanse Tokyo. And then mm. in this, you know, he gets hit with the flashback and it's him noticing that she was gonna go, you know, get banged out by whoever that dude was, which we don't know who that man is who she was giving that offering to, but I thought that, that was an interesting part that they added to the scene. What if it was the same person that was banging Shibuki? <laughs> Could be. Wait, what's it, Shibuki? Just like 20 Could years be. earlier. Good for him. <laughs> All, right, All right, let's do it. Yes, yeah, so, this game is fucking lit. So I love it. Have, so many badass moments. Yeah, here we have um, the player. The game is about to get, begin, and the players are dispersing all over the hotel property that they're at. Uh, Silver Hood dude, appears, white hair, bro, white hair appears to the top corner of the hotel, just in the very corner, and says he has the perfect location because you can see basically just everything. Confident, and cool. Then we get the game startu. Tagger is on the move and suspense builds. We have no idea what's going on. We get a few POV shots of this hooded figure. Like we can tell his vision's distorted a little bit. Um, Arisu, Karube, and Nitobi are together and they are searching the doors for which one could be the correct one. As they are climbing up the stairs to continue their search for the doors, uh, they hear something. Body falls to the ground, body falls down the stairs. They look around the corner and it's a person in a what what kind of ma- a horse mask? Mm-hmm. A horse mask with a submachine gun looks like we found the fucking tagger. Yeah, they they did a good job of like building the anticipation mm-hmm. because honestly, at first I thought it would be that like one of them would get chosen as the tagger mm-hmm. and it would pop up on their phone and no one would know who it was. I didn't think that it was going to be someone in a horse mask with a fucking Uzi walking around the apartment complex. Uzi, so I think that was. A- that's a Mac. It was a 10, Mac Ten, maybe. yeah. <laughs> and uh, if you didn't know, you probably haven't noticed, but that's like an iconic horse mask when it comes to this show. Like they use that as like the thumbnail. If you're ever just looking on Netflix and stuff, it's just mm-hmm. the horse mask, which is yeah. funny. It reminded me of a uh, Black Mirror, and uh, it was a white bear. Mm-hmm. That one where it was just that was terrifying. And I I did list out. I said that before the game started. I said I I have a uh, I have absolutely zero faith in the two girls. 
the older, <laughs> the old man, the the big brute guy, the old lady, and the young kid. That's the people I said I had no faith in. I had the same thing. The, as soon as I saw the guy with the oval glasses, I was like bait. I was like <laughs> instantly dead. To make it worse, he's like, I can't handle this. And he runs out the opening. I was like, like, if this is your first game and you didn't know about that, that's the only thing acceptable. But I thought he was equivalent for Shadow and Bone fans out there. Where's your opponent? Shadow and Bone, right? Yeah, Shadow and Bone. First episode, he's equivalent to the dude that lights a lantern on the boat. Yes. He is just garbage. <laughs> Perfect, yeah. The, a couple of the fodder get taken out pretty early into this game. I think the one girl's name, it's like, it's almost Arya, but it's oh, not. I, I, I was even, pissed. I I it's it was Aya. Aya. Aya and Maya. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they, get <laughs> yeah they, get, they get collapsed pretty quickly. AKA Meat Shields. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think it announces at one point, like seven participants left. Okay, yeah. so that's this. Yeah, yeah, right. Coming up to this next real, part. Real quick, though, at this moment in time, what game would you rather pick? The first one or the second one? Second one. This right? one, yeah. Second yeah, one, you have, yeah. I feel like I would have way better chance of living in this. Like, the, literally, the first game is a 50 50 multiple fucking times in a row. Like, yeah. well, is this a five? Space? This was five, which. Hell yeah. I'll take this all day. (laughs) How the hell is the other one a three? Dude, honestly, most people would die in the first one. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, like you said, we with eight minutes left, there's seven survivors remaining. All we really see between when they're all alive to now seven is we see um, Usagi's uh, mountain climbing skills appear in action, which were really badass. I thought she. Okay, hold on. Let's 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 let's. This is one of the coolest parts of the episode is when she's in the hallway and there's another person in the hallway with her. And then the tagger comes around the corner, sorry. dude. When <laughs> what? When she says she doesn't, she say sorry. Is that the old lady you're yeah, talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, and she, dude, she like does the cool flip up around the the pole, the column that's right there, and then just dips. Like you would never get caught if you were her. Mm-hmm. She could just scale buildings, and she's just so cool. That old lady had dementia out the ass. She had no fucking <laughs> clue what she was doing. She was just like wandering <laughs> yeah. the halls in this fucking. She she sees the horse dude with the gun and is still just standing there as if she's gonna fucking get her hills quality seafood at ten a.m. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like gets murked by this fucking. She's like, how dude. do I use this phone? Yeah, it's basically so. But it, and then the newbie, the newbie gets lit up. So um, we see that the horse guy is up a f- he's i think he's at level five or sh- uh, a higher up level and he's looking down and starts shooting across the building instead of down the hallways mm-hmm. and i think a little bit after this is pretty much when we get into plan mode strategy mode and again right I'm, here. I'm is- just gonna point it out every time like when Arisu does something that's like main character-esque and they come up oh no the, so this is when yeah, he's doing one, the communication thing so right what i have is right here is uh the big guy we meet er, from earlier can i say his name yeah, yeah. he says Ag- agune agune, agune. agune uh, approaches the boys and basically says he's he has fire extinguishers and he's like we're gonna take out the tagger so good plan to me honestly like if it's if there's 13 people against one tagger with machine gun you might as well try and team up and knock his ass out yeah, he's a beast too. He's like, you know, he's got the height, he's got the weight, the dominant hand. He's got like, you know, he's got this level of training, so he might have this type of background. Oh, and yes. also, they they focus too on the fact that the him and the and the dude with the headband are wearing like wristwatches, which I thought was interesting. They kind of they do a, a decent job of like showing us that other people are figuring out this technology or rather the lack of technology and finding their ways around it. So it's going to be interesting to see, to meet other people and what kind of ways that they're getting around that. 
just to hype up our boy in the military pants a little bit more. He's like, that's a Mac 10. Mm-hmm. He's going to empty. It's 32 rounds in 1.5 seconds. So you're like, oh, my God, Epic. you just know everything, don't mean, you? Does he also say here because of how he shoots, like he deduces he's like ex, ex-police or something. He's not like military, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, he's yeah. like the, he's like he's right handed ex-police. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. Dude, so cool. I, I would have just from the beginning stood near him yeah. and just followed this mother I would have wrapped there. myself around his leg and said I'm not leaving your side <laughs> take me bro I do like his intro because when you when he cuts off because it's the little bitch boy trying to talk to Karube and Arisu and he just like comes in you can literally hear the thudding of his feet like as he enters so you know he's supposed to be this big ass dude loved him I loved his introduction all right so Wait. um oh and also too I think like right before this happens we get a uh, we get white hair still kind of just like looking over everything that's happening. And he says, shall we begin? Dude. With Which like was immediately, I was thinking like, is he the tagger? Like, is he the actual tagger? And the, the guy with the gun is like the distraction. Cause at this point, I'm still thinking that, you know, one of the people had got assigned the role, the tagger. So I was like, what the fuck so is this guy's deal? He says that when it hits six minutes, right? Like all this thing is, all this stuff's happening. It says six minutes and he goes, Hmm, like, shall we begin? And just starts walking. And now that, you know, he wasn't the tagger. How badass! Like that was just so fucking cool. He's like, "All right, time to time to go to work," and he went yeah. right to the solution, like right yeah. away. He's just the next level Adisu, with just a lot more experience. I think. I fucking love that guy. I, I like. I liked how they showed him watching Usagi, and he was like, "Oh, a climber! Yeah. That's cool." Yeah, yeah. He Cli- was so no, he, the Japanese is a climber. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just so you guys know, this is outside of the show that. Um, the actor for the white hair, like, is just apparently just every girl wants to fuck him. Really? Yeah, in real life. Yeah, I like his see, actor. I, I could see it. I honestly kind of want to fuck him. I, me too. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, point aside. <laughs> um, so they kick the plan off into action. So Arisu and Usaki are in charge of looking for the doors while Agune, Karube, and Headband Guy are going to try and hunt the tiger. So what the plan is, is they're going to use the Headband Dude as bait to draw out the tiger. And when he does his role, he draws out the tagger. And as the tagger is about to shoot him, he's screaming, Agane, Agane. And he just gets shot. Agane just lets him die. Kadube makes that. Uh, he notices that. He says, you're just going to let him die. And as soon as he's about to shoot Kadube, who's around the corner, uh, Agane comes out and sprays him with the fire extinguisher, kind of distracting him. And this scene, I thought, was so funny because they were just like punching a dude in a horse mask like take off the fucking mask and then beat some ass. Well, <laughs> I don't know. He let him fuck up his boy because he wanted him to empty the clip, right? Oh, true. Mm-hmm. That was the I, point, I guess, right? Let yeah. the 1.5 seconds go that. by. Oh my god, yeah. yeah, okay. That makes so much sense. And then he was like, nah, maybe I'll shoot you. Mm-hmm. But they fucking don't. <laughs> he reloads and then points at Akari, but, but yeah, the tagger was a beast, though. He was kicking their ass the way he, like, I don't, like, you know, whatever, they're exchanging blows, but the way that he, like, or it could have been a woman put like their yes. foot like up on the wall to like use the leverage i was like all right this motherfucker knows what they're doing <laughs> dude he was such a good fighter the tiger i honestly wish we did get to see his face mm-hmm. because their whole entire battle the entire time is pretty awesome like even the next part i guess we can kind of skip ahead a little bit and jump back to arisu in a second the next part when they're fighting and they get rid of his gun he whips out the machete and he starts I think hitting that's actually the same scene yeah yeah, 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 yeah this whole scene so he stabs karube 
And then, dude, Agane does the coolest little drop kick. Yeah. And then he just starts fucking wailing on his horse mask like a million times after getting the cool ass scar. That's going to be a permanent thing, which is Uh, awesome. And he does the classic anime line. Oh, this is getting interesting. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Once once he got the scar, I was like, I want this guy to live because I want him to have that scar in the show. I love the bass. Every time he was hitting the horse mask, you could just hear the thudding just so deep in your ears. It was just it, you could hear the force that he was wailing on that dude with to hype up horse guy a little bit. <laughs> At one point, Karabe jumps on his back and stabs him with a knife that he took and completely like didn't phase times. him. Yeah, didn't phase him going on. He's still like destroyed uh, Unagi a little bit. Agane. 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 Unagi. Unagi. <laughs> that's something else. That's a f- <laughs> yeah, literally that's rearranging that. his name too. It, yeah. it could be Unagi. <laughs> it's so funny. Um, but yeah, so we see Karube take a slice to the side of his uh, hip-ish area kind of, so that mm-hmm. does some damage to him. And as they're fighting, Adisu and the silver-haired dude make that deduction that we talked about earlier that because earlier when the tagger was shooting at someone from a farther distance with a Mac 10, he was, they basically found out that he was trying to make sure no one was going to enter the door that that person was standing. That was the clear room basically. So that's what they figured out that that was going to be the room that the safe, yeah, the clear room. Exactly. White hair is just like, Oh, so you figured it out. Yeah, Like he figured it out without even doing anything, just standing on his perch. Oh, that's impressive. So they enter the room, and of fucking course, they are immediately ambushed by another tagger. That check we... those corners, baby. You got to check those corners. Was the tagger just always in the room? Yeah. Or... Mm-hmm. Okay. That's what I just wanted to make sure. What an easy... I feel like if you're the, that tagger and that's your job, just like... Like, if the game says just sit in this room until someone opens the door, then kill him, like... Well... Sign me up for that game. That's you easy. did see who was under the mask, and well, yeah. she did look like she didn't yeah, know true, what but... she was doing <laughs> at they, all. Yeah, they would have... Both died if they the horses were in different were opposite roles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I was kind of questioning how Arisu was like holding off this tagger. Yeah, because we you know we we had just seen one of them beat almost you know pretty much beat up Ichigo and I mean he gets handled a little bit by um what's his name again I'm sorry the, the Agane. Guy the, Agane and like there's no way that Arisu could have taken that guy by himself yeah i agree and so. honestly like if it was reversed where agane was the first horse guy they probably all would have died too right yeah he yeah. was oh the, my god. He, yeah, yeah exactly yeah. Oh my god. i mean bad. granted they would have had the guy that was under the horse mask on their team so maybe it would have even out know. a little I think bit but agane with a fucking sword like that in the mac 10 he's just <laughs> yeah, taking down true. anybody yeah. so yeah. When they're in the clear room, right, they, they, this guy starts attacking him or this, the, the second horse person starts attacking him. And then that's when we see the payoff of white hair charging his taser from the beginning of it. And he uses it, right? Seemingly seems to seemingly knocks out the horse person. And he has like this little comment, like it's good to come prepared. And right away, he stands up and starts shooting the, the gun again. And this splits up mm-hmm. Arisu and white hair. White hair has to retreat back out onto the balcony while Arisu has to go into the final room and then that's where he goes out to the window and starts screaming to everybody communicating I need someone else to help I can't clear this by myself like hurry up but everyone's occupied because Agane's getting his ass kicked yes with Usagi just straight out of Assassin's Creed just launching herself onto the coolest like the tiniest windows I'm just a fanboy for her you called she gets in there you called I hated that line I was like, come on, that is not what you would fucking say. <laughs> Honestly, good guy, Arisu. We didn't talk, I don't believe, about earlier. 
he started yelling to everybody to say, hey, like avoid the tagger. Like he's at level four or five, mm-hmm. whatever, in the central area. So obviously he wants to help everybody. And that resonates that resonates with Usagi because she also later in the event tries to communicate with everybody right. where mm-hmm. the tagger's location is. So. so like him yelling out that that's cool that there was he a respect was before. Yeah, there was a respect from Usagi in that moment for Arisu. And it's interesting, too, because she starts the game off, which she says out loud, like, you can only rely on yourself. Mm. And then she responds well to that in the game. Okay. Some jeering vibes from her right there. You can only rely on yourself. This <laughs> was the coolest minute ever. I thought it was so dope. We get the Siri update. There's one minute left in the game until the bomb explodes and destroys the whole building. Mm. And at this point, the horse person jumps back into the room. And is basically choking out Arisu and has the gun to his head and he's struggling. He's about to live. And then that's when Usagi, that's when Usagi gets there. But then white hair runs back into the room and slow-mo just chucks the taser to Usagi, Usagi catches it, tases him. There's like five seconds left. Arisu and, Us- and Usagi stand up and they just cross dive and hit the buttons with one second left. And it Paul, was, you want to break down that cross dive? I thought it was awesome. I don't know. I, fuck, I thought it was dude. cool. I thought it was completely unnecessary. <laughs> I mean, I yeah, thought, okay. I, I was, was going to say the same thing. I mean, I thought the the taser toss to Usagi was unnecessary too. Yeah, was he not in like arm's was, reach of the He was in the doorway. The he was like, "Hey, I don't want to get <laughs> shot here. Toss it." Yeah. But, you know, I thought it was fucking dope. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Of course, it's right as the, the game's counting down to one. So it's mm-hmm. a buzzer beater, slam dunk. We got it. They made it. So game number two on, in the books. That's fucking wild. Um, <laughs> it was like very short-lived joy, though, mm-hmm. because we see the tagger in the safe zone. Her helmet falls off. We see it's an older woman, and she looks petrified. All of a sudden, we see a, a necklace around her. And she lifts her head up, it starts ticking, and then boom, blood everywhere. Well, and Odyssey is also about to ask her questions. He's about to start like asking her basically like, about the game, the game master. master. Yeah, he's yeah. basically going to start asking her about the game master. But lo and behold, she's actually also a game player, a player too. So we see the phone fall out mm-hmm. and it says game over. It's that was such so a good moment. brutal watching, dude, just all that blood just appearing right behind her when, on that white wall, of course. It was so gruesome. Ruined white hair's hoodie. Oh yeah, completely. (laughs) And then hit us with this last little bit right here, Dave. All right, one Um, more thing that happens in this episode. So uh, we find out that the woman, of course, was not was also just part of the game, and we can see that this looms over looms over Adisu. Uh, Karube and Agane also determine the same thing uh, with their tagger. And while they are getting up, Karube hears a walkie-talkie coming from the pants of the headband guy that Agane sacrificed. and when he picks out the radio, it says, the answer is in our hands now. Get back to Bichu. <laughs> so what a fucking return. Ending. It says, yeah, wait. Okay. It says return. The answer is in our hands now. Get back to the beach. Yeah. yeah return, return to the, to the beach. beach. Yeah. yeah. And when Karube looks up, Agane is already gone. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. Batman out of there. So <laughs> uh, instant, instant reaction to that radio call that ends the episode. Um, my instant reaction was that it's really interesting. Well, yeah, 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 of course. But that I like the concept that there's people like groups out there, you know, that seem to be kind of allying themselves and trying to figure all this out. And like I had mentioned earlier with like the wristwatch, 
that there's people that are getting around this technology block and that they're communicating with walkie talkies. You know, there's like a coordinated kind of almost like a plan that they're putting out there to try to figure this thing out. Uh, I just really like it. I mean, after this episode, I got, it just reminded me of Greed Island, the Greed Island arc in Hunter Hunter, how like, you know, people are teaming up to kind of, I mean, they're collecting cards technically too. Obviously the cards have different uses, but I just really like that concept. I was not expecting that at all. I figured we would just kind of be following our main three and as they kind of would survive and get through games. But now I think that concept means that we're in for like a really cool cast of characters. I didn't think we were going to get this level of world building and kind of cast. So I'm really interested to see more about that. I can directly say something that unless you're going to go off what you said. Uh, So one thing I do want to say though, is what I just read after finishing the series is that the guy from the beginning uh, of this episode, Nitobe, right? Whatever his name was, he was supposed to play like a bigger part and stuff. So there's just a lot of cast members and they had to probably just choose because the manga allowed them to expand upon all these people. So I am happy at the, the rosters that we have, but some people I'm sure are going to be cut short compared to their roles in the source material. Yeah. And I, I, I didn't realize that there was a source material before I watched, but now that makes a lot of sense that there's, you know, a lot of not wacky characters, but you know, that just means that we're going to, we're going to be in for an interesting group of characters. Mm-hmm. So I have a question for you guys about the taggers. <clears throat> Sorry about that. So I have a question for you guys about the taggers. Um, we saw on the floor, the phone, obviously. So we know they were players. And we also saw that the horses had, had a diamond on it. And we know diamond is wits. So do you think that those two taggers, their game was technically a game of wits or do you think it was still physical i think it, uh, because i mean they have the guns um and it's like kind of a strategy like all right like how do we keep this safe space if you think of the overall game and what it meant it was a wits game i'd say but i don't honestly, think, they, I think up everything's paper, a wits yeah, game honestly. but straight up on paper i think it's more of a physical game for them the i also think like the prize physical. is always a single card somewhere right i don't think mm-hmm. they would have like two cards set just in case okay it's also interesting too, because I mean, like, couldn't both groups of players failed? Because if the horses at the taggers didn't kill everyone, but also the people didn't find the safe room to hit the buttons, wouldn't the whole building have just blown up? Well, I figured their goal was to kill everybody. Yeah, but before, I'm saying before the 20 minutes. Yeah. So they also had a time limit of 20 minutes to kill everybody. Mm. Yeah. So, but yeah, they theoretically both groups of people could have failed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it's also interesting that they seem to have been almost forced to play that game because they had the neck rings. Well, who knows? Because if there was a starting point that they followed the light. Yeah. That's just, I guess, the vibe that I had gotten was that they seemed more forced into that role while other people, it seems like you can just kind of pick any game you want. And that just kind of, also bleeds in a little bit to my interest with the whole group concept where, you know, I'm going to ask his name again. I apologize, but the man with the military pants, the, the cool brute guy, Agony. Agony. Agony was like, it seemed like he was sent out there on a mission. So like, you can kind of go to any game you want. And I wonder what the strategy is for kind of picking games. It seems like you don't know what the game is <laughs> until you, you know, until you, they tell you, because obviously they didn't realize that it was going to be tag or a physical game when they showed up to the location, but 
I think it's there's there's a lot of potential here. There's a lot of potential in this You're show. You're asking the I'm right just, questions. You're thinking yeah. about the right stuff. I, I think I you would. Say. I think you would live in this world yeah. for a decent amount of time. <laughs> I'm just. I'm just. It's really fun to figure out the shit with them, like alongside them. It also helps build the tension where it's like, like, what would I do? Like, what's the answer? Um, and, and it I seems would. like there's so much variety in not only characters but fucking games they can come up with. I mean, we've only seen the three and a five. So like, what the fuck is a ten? Like, what the fuck's at Ace? I will say there is one game in the future that I figured out before Rishu did. And I was like, I'm a genius. I'm going to live in this world for a turn. Your boner is probably bigger than Chota's. Yeah, I would have died. The, <laughs> I would have died in the first game anyway, honestly. Uh, let's be honest. But another thing that I, I took away from my first time watching the series, I was a little nervous at this point, like two episodes in, thinking like I had all these questions that you're saying. I wanted to know super specific things about the world and how the games worked and i was a little nervous that that's really hard to write but they do a good job of really slow burning the information and giving it to you and it and it clicking on pretty much almost every front which is something to look forward to i think that's one of the reasons i walked away from the show being like fuck yeah this was awesome yeah and also the 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 concept of the beach got me thinking of i'm fairly i'm like 90 percent positive that it was capitalized as the beach so, because I, I mean, the first thought was like, is there a beach in Tokyo? I mean, I know Japan itself is an island, but and then I was thinking like the cars don't work, but it doesn't mean that they couldn't walk out of the city. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'm curious of what like their boundaries are. And when you when you, and when you mention something like that, it's like also how far is the boundaries of the lasers too? Like, is it only covering Tokyo? Is it covering all of Japan? You know, like yeah. how far? What's the extent of these games? Seems yeah. like a land of borders. Or (laughs) a borderland. Uh, So I just will probably do this at the end of every episode, just real quick, because it's not like a segment or anything, but just pointing out the Alice in Wonderland references in case you've missed them. And Kyle, do you know the story of Alice in Wonderland? Have you seen the movies or books or whatever? Do you know enough about it? Very loosely. Like you never saw like the Johnny Depp movie either? No, I I have, but it wouldn't be something Everything is surface level enough where I think it'll click with you. So... Obviously, Arisu is Alice. And for those listening that aren't really familiar with the Japanese culture, it's a very icon, not iconic. It's a very known thing that L's are difficult to pronounce and they're usually substituted with like an R. Mm-hmm. So Arisu is Alice. That's like obvious. Arisu, Alice. It literally sounds like it, you know, from yeah. a Japanese perspective. Um, the playing cards are clearly a link to the 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 queen of hearts from alice in wonderland and then the only one that you really wouldn't ever know without looking it up is usagi is uh japanese for rabbit and you know how like i'm late i'm late rabbit person you know that's just a reference to that so and she jumps around like a bunny, yeah I, guess. I was gonna say <laughs> she's she's hopping around yeah. that building it's nothing so that's gonna do it for this episode but kyle 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 bro next podcast episode is where you're going to walk away from and i think just fucking mind blown like i am so ready for you to watch the next two episodes because the next two episodes is when this show escalated to something where i started recommending it to everybody and i was like okay everybody's gonna watch this fucking show is so good and i'm that's so good because happy that we're fucking there. <laughs> i mean i i honestly i felt that way after the first two i mean i had written up some final notes and the first thing i wrote was like yeah i mean i'm just obviously going to like this show dude just just be ready three and, and the last ready. thing that that i didn't get to talk about is that 
just I mean, we talked about it a little bit, but Shibuki is so unbelievably suspect. It's like it almost feels too obvious <laughs> that That's she's like super dis like I can't you can't trust her. You can't trust her. That you know, and like really obviously, like no offense to Chota, but like there's no way that she was just trying to bang him because she likes him. Like Dude, at the end of the oh, day, yeah. at the end of the day, Chota got some pussy. It's all good. This is true, but it could be his downfall in the end. You know what I mean? But at least, like, he, I mean, I guess he won't die a virgin. But yeah. I just yeah, thought it was yeah, interesting yeah. because she she kind of flirts with Ichigo a little bit when they're in, like, the, the appliance store. And he's, like, not having it. And I, 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 for me, I took that as, like, she tried to do this with him. But was like, okay, he's not like he's too tough. And then looked at Chota and was like, okay, he's the mark. Like, look at this guy. She, she's a skank. Skank. All righty. Well, that's it for our coverage of Alice in Borderland. Like I said at the beginning of the podcast, this is like the podcast I am most looking forward to recording by far so far. Um, be sure to check out our other weekly podcast coverage of Shadow and Bone, and definitely check out our interview with I cannot pronounce her name. So. Maganatova. Okay, Maganatova. Give us a follow on our socials at Bingetown TV, Twitter, Instagram. Um, am I missing one there? <laughs> Check out our website, BingetownTV.com, and leave us a review. Once again, we are Bingetown TV, and thanks for listening. Up, dog. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.